I'm Nicholas Snow, and this is The Snowstorm. Have you ever left your heart in San Francisco? So I just watched Fellow Travelers on Showtime, and I know a lot of other people watched it each week as each episode was coming out. And uh, I avoided it just because I knew it was going to be a tough and an emotional watch. And coincidentally, I finished it last night, and my guest tonight, Matthew Bamberg, has very strong connections to San Francisco. And what I thought was sort of fascinating about the, the series, if you don't know what it's about, it's a very realistic portrayal of a fantastic uh, same-sex gay love story that transcends many decades, basically from the years before the McCarthy hearings and the witch hunt for communists and uh, queers. And it goes right up into the early years of the AIDS epidemic. And for me, that brought me into really the beginning of my early young adult activism that was forever forged in those years in the HIV AIDS epidemic. And uh, my guest tonight, Matthew Bamberg, actually moved to San Francisco in 1980. So the connection to San Francisco will definitely be one of the things that we're talking on this episode of The Snowstorm. I also uh, wanted to let you know, uh, many of you are regular viewers, and you know that if you're watching live and you have a question or make a comment, uh, it may be featured into the, the sh uh, on the screen by me. I can put it on the screen during the broadcast. And I also want to thank uh, patrons of the show. We have a brand new member of the Sticker Squad, uh, Gilbert Rem Russ Ramirez, who's donating $3 a month. When you do that, in your third month of support, you get mailed this sticker in this brown envelope, and it looks great on your car. And Aaron Terry, also known online as Elk Whistle, has upped his contribution to $10 a month. That's called the Skip a Latte Club. And uh, Rock May, also known as Omni Muscle Online, has doubled his commitment to become an associate producer. Uh, you gotta love that. If you make a want to make a one-time contribution to my work, you can do so on Venmo at Promo Homo TV, just as it sounds. Please don't let uh, don't get fooled by any imposters out there. Uh, we have a really exciting show for you, so I want to encourage you to stay right where you are. If you're watching, interact. Over on Instagram Live, I see that we have Stella Girl, Medic Man, Jeff Hawker, Shakti Prashar, and Anessa, uh, my friend Anessa, have all joined in. I cannot curate Instagram Live comments into this broadcast, but I can notice your remarks and say them out loud. So with that... I'll be back after this. Promo Homo TV is all about empowering you, our communities, and our world. Shouting out to my media partners, Pink Media, amplifying Promo Homo TV across the Twitterverse with their hashtag I Love Gay campaign. GayDesertGuide.LGBT and KGay1065 Palm Springs, available worldwide. Ask your smart speaker to play KGAY. 
It's as simple as this. We will save our democracy in 2024, or we will watch the United States implode. I'm Nicholas Snow, and this crisis we face is why I have launched The Snowstorm, a nightly Hot Topics panel discussion show in which I will curate your social media comments into the show, and we will connect the conversation to action we can take to save America. Watch The Snowstorm nightly at 6 p.m. Pacific at promohomo.tv. As I mentioned at the top of the show, hearts across the world are reunited with San Francisco these days because of the intense, powerful Showtime series, Fellow Travelers. The storyline of that series ends in the very early years of my young adult activism forged forever by the HIV AIDS epidemic. Today's guest, Matthew Bamberg, also has a very special relationship to the city by the bay as chronicled in multiple ways, but in recently, his story was called uh, Pride and Acceptance in San Francisco and was published in the Gay and Lesbian Review, a bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics. And uh, he had similar stories and is a regular con uh, contributor to Medium.com. And if I ever reference the work of other media outlets, uh, I'm going to give them credit where credit is due. And of course, my guest today, who is a journalist, would do the same thing. Welcome to the show, Matthew Bamberg. Hi, Hi Matt. Do you like Matt or Matthew? Um, Matthew's good. Good. I like Nicholas. So oh, okay. we're, we're straight. I don't know what we're, happened. I was I was Nicholas growing up, uh, uh, but now I'm, I was Nick growing up. Now I'm Nicholas in the nick of time. So uh, you, uh, for our viewers that may not know your extensive work, uh, you're a Renaissance man of sorts. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll start with my Tallahassee years because I was at Florida State, and um, I knew I was gay. And I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. So I, I did graduate reluctantly. And uh, I got a degree in meteorology of all things. And then I just, uh, right after that, I drove down Highway 10 with my mother to check it out. And that was an interesting drive because she was an astrologer and she was very active in, uh, she was in Vanadatis Magazine a Spanish language vanity magazine, and she wrote an astrology column. So my life basically was ruled by the stars <laughs> and not celebrity stars. And so I finally got to San Francisco. Uh, then I came home. She came and got me because it wasn't working out. I was living with my brother on Twin Peaks, at the top of Twin Peaks. Are you referring to 1980? Yes. So you moved to nineteen. Uh, you moved to San Francisco in nineteen eighty. Yes, but I had I had like in like right at the beginning of nineteen eighty. No, I guess it was nineteen seventy nine when I went for the first time to check it out. Okay, how and long? Stayed uh, when you, months, but then I came back. So so you were there for a month in seventy nine. Your mom came and got you, but then you returned and stayed on your own in nineteen eighty. Yes, I did. And that's when okay. the story, that's that's the setting of the uh, the story about uh, my coming out or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, do you mind if I ask you how old you were in 1980? I was uh, 18 years old in 1980. I'm older than you. 
Uh, so how old? I was 24. You were 24. And you, so you arrived there uh, when people were already getting sick? No. Uh, it, it was just before. Just before. Like, uh, I want to give a shout out to Valerie Milano, who's watching. She's a fellow journalist. She has amazing work. Uh, uh, her outlet is called The Hollywood Times. Mm -hmm. I want to give a shout out to her. So right after you moved to San Francisco, the AIDS epidemic hit. Oh, and my my friend is laughing at both of us because he was born in 1979. All right, youngster. Okay. All right, youngster. Uh, rub it in. Why don't you? Oh, I don't care. So I don't either. I'm just ha I'm happy to be here. We're talking about the AIDS epidemic where, where many people died. So when did you realize there was something going on. Talk about your early in-person in San Francisco awareness that something something was happening, that this sickness okay. was happening. I lived in Ashbury. Uh, my roommate, and it's in the story, um, had AIDS, but they didn't know what it is. So I call him patient two or three. Um, so he was sick from the moment you moved in? You uh, found no. a roommate, you moved in with him, and he happened to be already sick? No, he he got progressively sick. He was just a little sick when I met him. We worked at the we worked at uh I worked at an oil company as a geology assistant. And what, what did he do? He worked as an uh, administrative staff. The company right. in Ohio. I don't even know if they exist anymore, but and were you going out to the, the clubs on the Castro? Uh-huh. Absolutely. The first one I went to is Alfie's. And I talk about Alfie's because uh, that's where Harvey Milk went. Also, right before I got there, before he got shot. Was his assassination and the publicity out of that part of your motivation to move to San Francisco? No, actually, what was, was a program. The first program, I must have been about 15 was about Lance O'Donnell or something. I don't even know if that was his last name, but I remember his first name was Lance and it was a reality series about a guy who was gay. And I, right, I know the series you're talking about and yeah. uh, uh, I'm not going to remember it right now, but yes, it, that, that, show was the, um, that show was the first reality television show in many people's opinions. Right. So, here you are arriving in the city of freedom at the height of the sexual sexual freedom that existed there. Did you go to the bathhouses? Uh, yes. And uh, at what point did people in the broader community know collectively, this is something that's happening, this is hitting the gay community? Um, when the Bay Area reporter came out with the article about GRID and then gave us all kinds of warnings. If it wasn't for those articles at the Bay Area reporter, I'd be dead. So you learned... So all uh, the precautions, like, right off the bat. So you were an early practitioner of safer He's sex. And then, then they had constant reminders in the Castro. And uh, I was very careful after that.
I listened. I I uh, I listened and I read. And then Herb Cain had a column. Um, do you know who he is? A lot of yes. people from yes. San Francisco. And he talked about it and the Chronicle gave all kinds of information about it. And it was horrific. <laughs> it was really horrible. But uh, at least they told us what to do. So tell me how you gained pride and acceptance in San Francisco. Tell me uh, a little, uh, sort of the cliff notes of that article. Oh, okay. Well, I met a lot of friends really fast. Um, and uh, uh, after, I, after I lived in Haight-Ashbury, um, where did I move to? Uh, let me think. I think I moved to Noe Valley. That's where I moved. And, uh, oh, for, no, the first month I was with my brother because he was living there. He was a medical resident at St. Mary's Hospital. And uh, I lived with him and that lasted all of a month because I brought somebody home there and they said, no, you can't do this. And so that was that. And then um, after I, I had to move out and find a place um, and I found a place first in the hate and then in, um, wait, no, that month that I lived with him is when my mother, that was the first, my first experience there. And that's when it didn't work out and my mother came and got me. Your she mother goes, rescued you from your homophobic brother. No, he wasn't homophobic at all. I, he I just didn't want you to have sex partners in his home that he was exactly, sharing with you. Exactly Could have been women or men. No, yeah, exactly. Well, okay, that's good. And that uh, shame on me for, I'm not going to feel shame, but I apologize for assuming that the reason you were getting kicked out is that when I lived there, they were very, um, I went to the best Halloween party I ever went to in my. So life. rather than, rather than getting into sort of this, the, the piece by piece, step by step experiential, yeah. uh, uh, time that you had there, let's look at the question. Why was San Francisco a place where you found pride and acceptance? Because when I lived in Miami, I lived in, I, I worked in Coconut Grove at um, a boutique and uh, that boutique had been there 50, it's just moved and it had been there 50 years. And um, I really liked my job, but I also was very erratic at that time. And um, it was a really hard time for me because I knew I was gay. I was around gay people in Coconut Grove, but I dare not come out there. So I went to San Francisco just like a lot of other people did. I was meeting new people every day who'd moved there in 1980. It was like, it was amazing actually. I can just see all those historic video images recreated in so many uh, documentaries and and actually narrative film and television shows about you know people pouring out into the streets in celebration or in protest. And they were. Uh, that's when that's when like there were Castro clones, which I was not. Um, what were you? Did you did you fit in? in were, if so, you were a nerd. You didn't. Yeah. You wouldn't cast yourself in the village people. I mean, I listened to them. I went. But to you wouldn't. Uh, there's all kinds of stereotypes: a construction worker, yeah. the leather man, yeah. the clone. No, you you wouldn't have been there. Did you feel? Did you feel like you belonged 
in the Castro. Yeah, definitely. I met people from all over the world. They were there and and uh, in the story I talk about meeting two friends. They were a couple um, at that time. And uh, one of them was Mexican and the other was from the Midwest somewhere. No, Washington State. And um, I talk about, you know, learning about the Mexican culture from him. San Francisco was at the time was very multicultural and uh, um, what else? And I went to the Castro a lot. I went to Badlands. Um, and then just at that time, I realized that uh, I had problems with my brother with drugs. And so now is the time in my life where I am writing about that. And um, I'm, it's amazing because my art, um, I'm at the Desert Art Center and my art is based on the drug culture really, but they don't, I don't call that, you call that the counterculture. But I just wrote an article about uh, um, psychedelic, the psychedelic art I've been doing in Photoshop and uh, just remembering like past hallucinations I've had, not even when well, I'm, I can even remember them now very viv vividly. So I talk about, I've only did it once and uh but i'm i'm also researching it i met that uh, i'm working with this guy at medium who's a medical doctor and he's having me research it like a researcher which is what i teach at a university and uh so it's just also crazy what's happening so, now at this yeah, age well, it's it's also crazy what's going on in the world and the yeah. political the political landscape is very much there. I'm going to take a break, Matthew. But when we get back to the break, I was wondering if you would talk about how how your current art and creativity and even perhaps personal activism is related to the effort to save democracy. Oh, so okay. if, if it is it at all, but you have a couple yeah. of minutes to think about that. And I'll be back with Matthew Bamberg after this. particular shirt is the crux of the hopeful sexual campaign and it is designed to inspire authentic human connection while simultaneously combating sexual sexuality based shame and stigma 
And the really cool thing is, if you go to hopefulsexual.com, it takes you to an Amazon store where this shirt is available in all sorts of styles, sizes, and colors. And I use the revenue to fund promohomo.tv. So check it out. I think everyone, almost everyone is a hopeful sexual, don't you? And I'm back with my special guest, Matthew Bamberg. Matthew, you may not know this, but this new nightly show, The Snowstorm, started January 1st. It's getting cold. No. Yes. Uh, over six feet of snow has hit your internet experience. But uh, what I'm doing is right after the video broadcast, I'm ripping the audio and I'm putting it out on podcast platforms. I've been doing it all week, but the 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 podcast hosting platform that I'm using wasn't actually connected to any of the distribution outlets. But as of today, the snowstorm is available on Apple Podcasts. And I've been, I've submitted it to many other platforms as well. And I'll be keeping the audience aware about how they can listen to it. And uh, for those who are listening, when you hear these extended periods of music, th those have been crafted for a television audience and I promise I'll be updating all the content of my show so it translates well into podcast. Um, so Matthew, at the before the break, I talked about how your current pursuits, uh, if they are uh, focused on helping to save democracy, um, uh, are unfolding. What what is your involvement, if any? Well, I had to pull up my stories to remember what I've written. And uh, one of them is called, uh, the first one I wrote is called, uh, what is it called? Uh, Say Gay Versus Silence Equals Death. And the silence equals death, you know, I went into education and have been in it for decades. And um, I, I'm, I've been able to um, really fight in terms of my writing about what's happening in Florida because I'm from Florida. And at this point, I really don't enjoy going there, although Fort Lauderdale is still pretty accepting of gay people. Um, some of my relatives moved out in the boonies and outside of Tampa, and, and now I'm kind of, I don't want to go there anymore. And I'm really close with these relatives, so it's a conundrum. So that's how it's affecting me. But I want to go back to my graduate project at San Francisco State because I went to my advisor and I said, I want to do these Mexican toys because my partner and I, we've been together for decades. And uh, we, decided, we, we went to a little village in Mexico where they make these toys out of, out of trees. And I want to do that. And she goes, no, she knew I was gay. And she goes, you're going to do something gay. And I, I was taken aback because I was a school teacher. Um, fortunately, the people I was working with were pretty accepting because it was in Daly City. And uh, they, some of them saw what I was doing because the my graduate project was invisible people, gays and lesbians in the classroom. And this was like 1990. This is before they even came up with the story of Harvey Milk, which I also wrote a kid's book at that time. And so my graduate project 
um, had the story of Harvey Milk and the story of Stonewall. And I, I created cartoons all in kids software, Hyper Studio, Kid Picks. And if you're old enough, you can remember those. And uh, I had a great time with it. But it was really hard, like emotionally, but I did it anyway. And uh, I what, year, what, what year was that? I graduated in like 96 from San Francisco State with a master's degree. So can you, that's, that's fantastic. It's beautiful. And it's amazing that you did it when you did it. But coming back to the here and now, one of the things I'm, I'm working on doing for my audience is is getting everyone fired up to realize how much is at stake in our country right now and to figure out you know what what sense of urgency people are having and i'm wondering do you personally feel a sense of urgency when you get up in the morning do you feel like uh our democracy is at stake do you do you feel drawn or compelled to actively do something about it uh that's specific rather than just simply the broad living of your life no, through writing, I've, I've, I've. So, I've in your journalism, in my journalism, and also in my art, like um, the Desert Art Center has our art that's focused on gay events. So, um, I did this really nice uh, portrait of two two drag queens, one black, one white, because it was themed diversity, and um, I worked really hard on it in Photoshop to clean it up, and I, I love Photoshop. And I love to write, so I love Medium.com, and uh, I like the de I love the Desert Art Center, and it's given me the opportunity. I also have another image called the Gay '90s, and I don't know if that, you've ever been to Minneapolis, but it's a theater in Minneapolis, and I have an image of that that I've worked with. Um, I, I, I colorized the Gay '90s. It's Art Deco. And then um, the rest of it's in black and white. So those were my two entries to theirs. And then I've written about. Um, Just to stop you for a moment, I'm showing your website where okay. uh, where people can uh, see your artist bio, your exhibitions, your articles on Medium, your uh, Bienvenido Miami short story collection, link to books. They can contact you. Uh, they can see your photographs and courses. Um, uh, one of the th I know we could, we could talk for hours, but one of the things I would uh, like to talk about for the next couple of minutes is if you would share uh, your perspectives on why uh, diversity and inclusion is such an important uh, goal uh, in our world, um, because I know you teach around about that topic. So right, yeah. br briefly, why do you think diversity is and in, in inclusion is so vital? And what are a couple of steps people could take right now to move toward well, that? Republicans on the right are going after everything in education. They're, they're working on social emotional learning now. And, uh, that's really important. Like, um, uh, an important connection for English language learners, which is what I teach about. And uh, I also uh, teach about gay and lesbian issues um, in my class, but mostly I have two sets. I have a research class um, where the students research critical thinking and then I have an EL, but in the critical thinking class is where I can get the message out to these new teachers that I, I, I have a, 
a whole world that I can open up for them that, that they don't even, they didn't even know. Can you say something directly to the audience right now about something they can specifically do to move toward a world that is more diverse and inclusive? Well, I would say um, I've been giving money to the Democrats. Um, I, uh, when I write, uh, I write about everything that's going on in Florida in terms of wokeness. So people can use their and people can use so people can use their economic uh, strength and focus it. Right. They can use their creative expression. Also, just and, to inform uh, them. Exactly. What's going on in and since I'm focused on education and art, um, I focus on that. And since I love to write, I write about it. Well, I really appreciate your time on the show today. I try to keep it at 30 minutes, um, mm -hmm. letting people know again to go to MatthewBamberg.com. And uh, I'm honored that you were able to make this show during our first week. And I hope that you have a wonderful evening. Okay, thanks, Nicholas. Uh, thanks for having me. We, we do have one more remark. And uh, Rock says, what are things we can do, in your opinion, to ensure that people will vote and keep democracy alive here and now? I'm going to let you answer that question. What are things that we can do, in your opinion, to ensure that people will vote and keep democracy alive here and now? Well, as an educator, I just say model, model, model. And that what that means is tell people about your voting experience. Um, I write, I remember my mother had a friend growing up that she particularly went voting with. And I remember that friend and I remember the whole experience when she did it. She made an event out of it and she was very political and I'm um, kind of the same way. I love that. I love that. So uh, don't do what I say, do what I do. Right. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew, I hope you have a very happy new year. Okay, you too. Thank you. And thanks everybody at home for watching. I'll see you tomorrow night. I got hungry for the